Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening. The date today is the 18th of December, year of our Lord, 2020. Um, finally, after he's been he's been messaging me all hours of the day and night, calling me nonstop, clawing at my door, trying to get back on the show. Um, James Edwards rejoins Shoot the J uh, after all his 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 begs and pleads to get back on the show. James, you finally made it back. I did. I, I found the uh, the the key under the doormat on the back <laughs> on the back end of the house, and I was able to sneak in <laughs> waiting for you when you got home from work. Um, uh, but no, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I am you. Ca- I'm in the middle of Christmas shopping, so I apologize if you hear the ambiance of traffic in the background. For, um, I'll apologize to your listeners. Um, I'll try not to cut anybody off so there's no horn or anything. <laughs> Uh, no problem. We're going to because as is tradition, um, you always say you have X amount of time, but then it always extends. But today you do actually have X amount of time. So we're really going to try to plow through this big topic today. I have not prepped you for this. We're going to no. go over the top 10 moments of the 2020 NBA season that I have personally um, a list that I have curated myself. Now, before we jump into it, I want to I want to mention um, three things that I I wrote down as well. Shoot, I forgot to write down one of them and I forgot what it was. So two things that I wrote down that I really wanted to throw in there, um, but I just couldn't find places for them on the list. So number 12 was the all-star game getting revamped and how they, you know, they changed how the point system works. Um, they honored the, the MVP trophy is for Kobe now. Um, and it actually just kind of made it more fun and it, it made us feel like it was more competitive and the players seemed to really enjoy it. I thought that was pretty important moving forward, but not important enough to put it in the top 10, if that's fair. That was this year, wasn't it? Holy shit. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like the format. Um, it seemed to bring out competitiveness with guys. Um, now that I think, given you mentioned briefly what the topic would be about, and I, and I didn't have time to think of any, but, like, off the top of my head, that should probably be in the top ten. I don't know. Let's see well, what else you'll you got. See, exactly. Yeah. It was number seven, and then I was like, dude, no, I just kept thinking of things. So this one um, fell right outside the top 10. Now, I just want to full transparency here. Um, I really wanted to put it in there. And for all intents and purposes, it was one of the most important moments in the league this year. But it wasn't quote unquote basketball. So that was one of the reasons I left it out. Um, George Hill, I guess for lack of a better word, instigating a a protest and sit out um, in the NBA bubble in light of how do I? You know, I actually don't want to word it delicately um, in light of an attempted murder. Um, back in August of Jacob Blake and the Bucks were like, hey, we actually don't really feel like playing basketball right now. Um, the league stood with them in solidarity and they didn't play a few games. And it was just really important for the league. And I think it was a tremendous step um, in this never ending fight. And I I really want to put it in the top 10. So it's kind of like in there honorarily, but couldn't quite fit it in there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that's top. That's top three. Um, so originally, for what it's worth, it was fourth. Okay. I, I just think it was so – I mean, in my lifetime, I can't think of anything like that that's happened. Right. Um, the fact that it was Milwaukee, um, the team that did it, the city, um, that the tragic um, incident happened in, um, they had their own – yeah, they had, they had tragedy in the city – then the sure. team did it. Nobody talked about um, they, they hadn't really lingered. It kind of just happened and it led to a snowball effect. Like I, 
I, I haven't really seen that talked about as much like since it's happened. And I think that's something that will be like in the, I mean, it should be in the history books. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then a little subplot I had to that was, Oh wait, Kyrie was actually right. People like to rag on him, but he said like one of the things about the bubble was, you know, you can put whatever you want on the uniforms. You can paint whatever you want on the court, but it just feels like it's taking away from the actual issues and, you know, focusing on something else. And that was one of the reasons he didn't think basketball should be played. Turns out, um, Kyrie was right because that's exactly what ended up happening to a lot of the players where they just didn't feel like it was the time to play basketball. So, um, I, you know, I, I for all intents and purposes, that, go ahead. I, I would argue that, um, one, I, I mean, not even to, just because I don't want to give Kyrie any credit. I certainly don't for anything. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that message without the bubble, that doesn't happen. Sure. And that was a massive moment in sports in society in um, the news, like it, it very much brought the conversation to the forefront and that doesn't happen, um, without a bubble. So Absolutely. I, I think there, the players did a phenomenal job and the league did a great job of, uh, making sure that message, um, got across throughout the duration of the bubble. Sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a great counterpoint. I, I really got nothing else to, to add there. hundred percent. Um, now we jump into the actual top 10, um, now, this is because it's 2020, it's not just things that happened last year. Some of these things are recent. Number 10, the Russell Westbrook-John Wall swap, because there are so many interesting storylines to follow with this. And it was like day one, the move happens, and you're like, this just feels kind of lateral for both sides. Um, Washington finally moves on from John Wall, a contract that you know we thought could never be moved. Turns out it can be moved if you have an equally bad one in Russell Westbrook. And now you kind of look at Washington and you're like, in a best case scenario, is that a six seed? Like that team could be kind of fun. They have really good spacing, something that Russell Westbrook has never really had on any of his teams before. Um, And John Wall gets to now um, enjoy the, 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 the the glory that is the, the James Harden situation in Houston, which we're not going to get into because that's actually on the list. But um, yeah, that just felt like such a pretty big move that like you usually don't see those. I know there was a draft pick involved, but like those big one for one deals, you don't see too often. Um, and given the gravity of both players, I thought that definitely deserved to be on here. Yeah. Um, I think the two that were honorable mentioned were better than, than that one. Um, and w- w- I agree with you that the one for one is something we just don't see. And that's interesting in itself, but like the move to me is still just so blah. Like I don't disagree. Are the Rockets better? Nah, they're probably worse. I mean, you can maybe say they're better because they got Christian Wood, but they're not – I don't know necessarily they're better because the trade. And are, is Washington going to be better? Eh, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen John Wall play basketball. I've seen Russell Westbrook play basketball. I don't enjoy watching that. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, like, I, I'm not certain that the Wizards are a playoff team. Um, sure. No, but I do agree that the one-for-one, one, the straight-up, is something we don't see, and that was fascinating. But it's, in terms of the moving pieces, for me, um, I'm sure DC fans and DMV area natives would say otherwise because of the connection John Wall has there. But um, as an outsider, um, an observer, that move was just uh, like it was more funny to me than yeah. like, oh my gosh, for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely provided some good timeline entertainment. Uh, number nine. And I have a question. Am I, do, am I doing what you hoped I would do? Like for this, I love that you're reading off your favorite storylines. Is that, did you want me to provide commentary as I'm doing? Is that like what you had in mind or did you, am I 
just shitting on everything that you've thrown at on the table so far. James, I want you on the show because I respect and almost agree with every single thing that you say, even if it's the opposite of what I say. So exactly what you're doing is what I hoped. The reason that I love not prepping you for anything that I ever do with you is because I want your off the cuff reactions. So if you think that there's something that, you know, if we get to the end of this list or there's something that you think I missed, which I conceivably could have, um, I want to, I want to know about it. So, uh, I have one in mind that I'm curious to see if you, if you say, well, we'll, 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 we'll get there. Yeah. We got, we got nine more. Um, number nine, the Phoenix suns go eight, no in the NBA bubble, but miss the playoffs. And the reason that this is so significant is because, um, right before the bubble starts, we see the Bleach Report article that comes out and it says, hey, if there's a team that's going to go 0-8 in the bubble, it's definitely going to be Phoenix. Now, to be fair, we were all kind of like, yeah, probably. Like, if there is a team to do it, it's going to be Phoenix. Um, It was also important because it kind of flipped the whole, like, Devin Booker's going to leave narrative on its head a little bit because you saw tremendous strides from, obviously, not just him because he's always been great. DeAndre Ayton looked good. Cam Johnson looked good. Ricky Rubio looked good, who's not there anymore, but then they retooled with Chris Paul and turned themselves into like a, oh, wait, okay, so Phoenix is actually going to start trying soon. That just kind of was the first domino to fall in what could be sort of Phoenix's future for the next few years. And also, it was just super fun. Like, you found yourself rooting for this team that, you know, even though it was always a long shot for them to make the playoffs, um, it's something that from the bubble, I think we're always going to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That did happen. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think for, like, basketball nerds like ourselves like that, what the Suns did probably is going to like be remembered more than by the average fan. Like sure. even if you ask the average fan right now, like did the Suns like how the Suns do in the bubble? They probably say, oh, they were in the bubble, whatever. Yeah. I agree. I like what the Suns did. Um, I I found that exciting. I am a Devin Booker guy, and I personally was tired of the narrative that he could just be a good stats, bad team guy. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from me just like watching him and seeing his like natural, God given talent. Um, and on top of I've had two or three players for the Pistons tell me he's like one of the toughest covers in the NBA. Um, like I just, I want to see Devin Booker on a good team. And sure. so him leading that run while inconsequential and absolutely nothing um, was cool to see. And I would be, if they had gone zero and eight in the bubble, I wonder if they go for Chris Paul. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um it's also important to note that Devin Booker hit the, the buzzer beater over Paul George and like the meme was born of like Devin Booker laying on the ground, looking up at the basket, which was great. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to some Paul George stuff here in a second. Number eight, Damian Lillard snaps in the NBA bubble. And I'm going to generously round up averages 38, 10 and four Portland goes six and two makes the playoffs. They actually play in a play in game. Um, well, technically, it was at least maybe upwards of three, but um, they play they play Memphis. All Portland has to do is win once. Memphis has to win twice. Of course, Portland goes on to win, plays the Lakers in the first round, um, actually win game one, kind of convincingly, like it was fun. But the main storyline was how berserk Damian Lillard was going. Um, and it was also kind of like this thing where it just felt like the league was handing a playoff berth to New Orleans, and they completely folded. Meanwhile, Damian Lillard was like, actually, I'd like to be in the playoffs. And his performance was sort of just a quintessential embodiment of what we've always expected from him. Like the way that he and Jamal Murray played um, in the bubble, but almost specifically Damian Lillard, just like this absurd efficiency and um, performances that like night in and night out. That was just kind of always what we thought Damian Lillard was. And he proved it in the bubble. Yeah. Big Dame guy here. 
Um, I mean, it was a thrill to watch what he did in the bubble. Now, um, here comes get off my lawn, James. I personally am not a fan of the play-in tournament. Mm. Uh, um, I, I understand the excitement, and like I, I get why the NBA would do it, but I thought kind of the Portland-Memphis thing was the reason why I don't like it is – um, Portland, the reason they were in the plan is because they were injured all year. And then by the time the play in happens, they're healthy. And by the time the play in starts for Memphis, who had been pretty solid all year, was the kind of the darling of the NBA, Jaron Jackson's out for all of it. Sure. And I just like injuries happen. Injuries are part of the that's what makes the seasons. That's what makes them wonky. That's what makes champions champions. Luck happens in your favor or against you. Um, and I think that the play in tournament could kind of rectify some of the that variance, like the randomness that happens that I love in sports. Like sometimes the team is supposed to win the title and like, you don't want to see anybody hurt, but sometimes an injury happens and that, and, and the door is wide open and it sucks, but like, it, it's interesting. Like who's going to take, like, I love, I like when craziness happens. Sure. Um, yeah. Which is I what just, the bubble was, was just chaos. Yeah. So like, I personally am not, I, I didn't think what it didn't Memphis have to be, or didn't, did Memphis have to beat them twice or did Portland have to beat them twice? Memphis had to win once. Portland had to uh, – yeah, I'm sorry. Memphis had to win twice. Portland had to win once. And, yeah, like, I don't know. I thought Memphis was the better team most of the year. Portland got healthy at the right time. Um, and Memphis got hurt at the wrong time. But, yeah, sure. I agree. Portland's run was insane. It was fun to watch. It made me want to pick them in seven over the Lakers. But, luckily, I, I yeah. sipped some green tea and calmed down. And uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a thrill to watch. It was fun to watch until it wasn't, um, right? Until which was like game big two. Boys came into the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So number seven, we keep alluding to the NBA bubble. Number seven is really just that the bubble even happened, that the NBA was able to coordinate this um, and execute it to a level that I don't think anybody anticipated. Um, Perfection. With, I mean, if that's even the word for it, I don't think that really does does it justice. Um, not a single positive COVID test um, for like the four months that they were in Disney and try as some of the players like to sort of thwart the NBA's plans, whether it's like a food and beverage vacation for Lou Williams or um, was it Daniel? Is that, is that what you, is that what you're calling it? A food and beverage vacation? This is a this is a family pro. <laughs> a, a, a butts no, and kidding. boobs vacation. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know some of these players found themselves in, in some shenanigans, and it obviously didn't matter. Um, so it's really I really don't have much to say other than like I can't believe the NBA did this, and you can't not mention it. Yeah, no, I think that probably should be uh, top three as well. Um, to not have a single positive test, um, to have the level of basketball that they did, everybody meant everybody that's talked about the bubble that was in it talked about how you literally had nothing else to do, but hoop. Yeah. And it showed in the product. Um, yeah. I mean, while other leagues were struggling and, and trying to figure out ways to, to do it, the NBA, obviously they, as we'll soon see, like you can't do it in a regular season. It's a lot tougher. And I think they're going to have a lot of hiccups this year, but um, from the playoffs, it was right time. And it, and it made a lot of sense. And it was, uh, yeah, executed to perfection on, on my end. Sure. Um, now, this one, number six, it could arguably be higher. It could be lower. The reason it is where it is is because we don't have any resolution for it yet. Number six is the James Harden situation that we currently find ourselves in today. Now, the argument for it being higher 
um, is, or just even on the list in general, is because no matter where he's traded, it's going to drastically shift the trajectory of, um, you know, whatever conference he's in and especially whatever team he ends up with, especially if it somehow ends up being a team like Brooklyn. Um, maybe the Philadelphia thing works. Who knows? But it also just kind of goes to show how ugly this whole, and I hate the term player empowerment, but it just it goes to show how ugly this whole thing can get, um, especially when you have no leverage, like the way that Harden doesn't. So um, I obviously yeah. this, this just kind of has to be thrown on there. Go ahead. To me, what's interesting about this, and I am, I mean, I'm a, I'm the, a frontline supporter of player empowerment and, Guys, if a guy wants to go play in City X, like let guy go play in City X. Like Giannis's decision made me so happy for as a basketball fan and an NBA fan. Like I love that. If that's what he wanted to do. I'm I'm happy for him. I don't like damn Harden in this in in this situation. Like first of all, you have no leverage. Nope. Second of all, the team has literally catered every single thing it's done since your arrival to you. Third, hey, like, hey, buddy, like, uh, are you maybe the reason that the team hasn't won? Like, uh, yeah. do you remember when you were shooting bricks as the rest of your team went 0 for 20 down the stretch against the Warriors? Like, yeah, I, I mean, Harden is as great as a player he, as he is and uh, arguably the greatest offensive player in the game, like, statistically. Um, like, like, who is he to make it feel like he's run his course in Houston? It's like, dude, like, you're part of the problem. Um, like, you can point to how many playoff series where, like, Harden just didn't shoot well. Harden looked yeah. gassed. Harden this, Harden that. They go get Chris Paul. They go get Russell Westbrook. Uh, like, they've done everything. They, yeah, like, it's, that's player empowerment gone, gone wrong, in, in I, my opinion. I believe it was game six of the 2015 Western conference finals that James Harden had 13 turnovers. So like he, he just, he has those games sometimes, man. And um, you know, the Rockets, it's always yes, yes, yes. To whatever James Harden wants. And then the minute that they say no, you know, all hell breaks loose. So that's something that you gotta, you gotta put a pin in. Cause you know, who knows where he's going to end up, but he will end up somewhere. That's not the Rockets. Number five. Now, actually I'm going to swap number four and number five. I think the gravity of five is 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 more than what's norm what's currently at four. So we're gonna swap. So number four is now Luka Doncic hits the game winner over the Clippers and ultimately has the season that he does. And you're probably thinking this seems a little bit extreme for one shot in one game. I sincerely do not believe that it is. Luka has a 40 point triple double against by the approximation of some um, the best team in the league maybe one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, and they're also down 20 points plus in that second quarter without Kristaps yeah. Porzingis. Um, it's super decimated roster. Like Dwight Powell's not playing either. Um, like they, they bring in Trey Burke for the bubble and they're like, please just score some points for us. And he actually did. Yeah. Um, this is the game where it just felt like Luca really met the apex of his career so far that we all kind of anticipated he would at some point. And it just felt like it was a precursor to, you know, for the next 15 years of Mavs basketball, we'll always be able to look back and be like, this was the defining moment of his career up to this point. Um, and it actually made it a series, right? It tied it up at two, two and Luca, um, 
the moment that things kind of started to shift for this game was when they were down like 23 points in the second quarter. Reggie Jackson gets brought in and he keeps getting switched onto Luca, and that was it. Like it was curtains yeah. at that point. Um, they just kept attacking him. Mavericks get back into the game. I believe it was actually um, uh, Markeith Morris. Or no, wait, which one's with the Clippers? Marcus Morris, um, who hit the the go ahead three with like a second left before Luca hit the the step back. And um, Reggie Jackson, to his credit, defended that Luca shot as best as he could. Like there was nothing else he could have done. It was just an incredible shot. It just felt felt like to me the gravity of that moment. Drawing a double bang from Mike Breen was unmatched this year. I agree with what you said in terms of like that was a the Luca a star is born moment for casuals. I mean, I, those who follow the game closely like have always like Luca like we know what he's going to be. Sure, but that was like the the um, that was it for the, the those who don't follow as closely. Um, like everybody, I think unanimously knows like Luca's up next. Um, I think I disagree with where I think it's too high. Fair only, only because if they had won that series, this is probably a top three storyline. Sure, but because they lost. Um, it kind of got brushed aside by some things. Um, I, I agree. It is a, for, from a, a perspective as a whole, like for the league. Yeah. Like, I think it was like a, a stamp for the next star in the NBA. Um, but yeah, I think it could have, it, it had, obviously if they would have won, like, of course it would have had more like massive potential to be one of the bigger storylines, but I, I think that's more of like a bottom like eight or nine, but I do like that one. I hadn't, I forgot about that. that. I forgot like all about that shot. Got so, punk ass white boy, all that it, stuff. It was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, which uh, Ernie Johnson, late night TV, actually said that on the air, and it was like, whoa, it was hilarious, Ernie. Whoa, um, I love. So Ernie. now, I, everybody does. Um, now we get to what is now number four, but was originally number five. Giannis wins MVP for the second consecutive season, also picks up a Defensive Player of the Year award, and as of recently, signs the Supermax extension. It finally happened. Um, and your friends over at, the Athle- over at The Athletic actually detailed a really interesting story um, like an hour or so after the extension was announced. Yeah. Sort of going into like, hey, this was actually kind of a bigger decision than most people thought that it was. Uh, well, I say most people. I'm biased, but like most Bucks fans thought that it was like this is something that he did kind of legitimately consider for a little bit and kind of weigh his options. Um, ultimately, though, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is where I want to be. Obviously, winning MVP last season, considering it as a regular season award, and even though Milwaukee flamed out in the playoffs, which we'll actually get to in just a second, kind of, um, you know, he was that he was the rightful MVP, and it sucks to say that LeBron shouldn't have won it because for somebody who was in year 17 and has been the best player in the league for a decade. The fact that he only has, what, two or three MVPs is a disgrace, but it just felt like it should have been Giannis. Defensive player of the year, obviously. Um, The Supermax was just kind of – it didn't really feel like a matter of time um, after the Miami series. But then, you know, once the Drew thing happened, even though they fumbled the bag on Bogdanovich, or somebody did. um, Yeah. It uh, was a pretty significant moment for small market teams moving forward and for the Bucks, and for the sake of parity. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where this storyline earns its ranking is it 
absolutely is the best case possible scenario for a small market team who has done nothing but try to uh, its best to build around this star that they stumbled on and and what many considered the worst draft at that point in a long time and I think that was the that class right 2013 is that KCP's year 14 13 I believe yeah might have been 12 but I think it was 13 yeah I, I don't think that class was like high like highly touted I believe um but yeah they 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 nurtured him they they developed him they developed the team around him and they were rewarded for doing as such they were competitive uh, they were the best regular season team in basketball. Like it's, it's, they did everything right. And for them to be rewarded with keeping one of the the best, if not the best uh, player in the NBA, like that's, that's what it's about. And um, I thought it was interesting just to bring full circle. Like in that story, they mentioned how he turned down offers to work out with some of the other superstars in the league. He's like, why would yeah. I work out with them when I'm trying to beat them? And that kind of, when you kind of bring it all full, full circle, like, oh, yeah, Giannis is staying in Milwaukee. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then him, like, showing John Horst texts from other players, you know, kind of opening their pitches. Um, if we could get maybe a tampering investigation into that, so it's just <laughs> not like I don't want to get into that right now. But now, un- unfortunately, the rest of the way is predictable. Um, you'll probably be able to guess number one. Number two, you'll be like, oh, duh. Number three, the Clippers collapse – and in parentheses, oh, my God, Denver came back from 3-1 in two consecutive series. But mainly here, it's about the Clippers and how, unlike their counterpart, who plays in the same arena, they made a huge gamble in the previous offseason that just completely fell apart. Um, and they, they collapsed in the second round against Denver in probably the worst way that you could imagine a heavily favored championship team could yeah uh I, denver was the one that i was waiting for you to say yeah you can talk about them if you'd like to do that instead because it kind of goes hand in hand yeah like i think that separately is probably top three two just i mean nobody's ever done what they did sure um to come back from three one and two series and that, it was just absolutely insane and i mean people would be lying if they didn't tune into the nuggets during the playoffs like they were the the team of the bubble um, but yeah, I mean, the Clippers collapse. I mean, it, it, we shouldn't be surprised by now when all these kind of quote unquote superstars collide and, and become teammates. Like it's never pretty when it starts. It rarely ever is. And you have a bunch of guys on that roster who are outspoken and, and think they're better than they are. And I mean, it showed in the reports and, and all that and how they didn't like the treatment. I mean, I'm the, I was the biggest Paul George guy you could find, and he's lost me over the last year with just his comments, his play. Um, I didn't I, – I just – yeah, like his – primarily his comments. Like, I, at this point, I'd rather have Jimmy Butler. Um, sure. And, yeah, it was a collapse. I mean, I I liked the roster. I, I didn't love it as much as everybody else. Like, I understood why, like, people thought they'd win the title. Like, of course, Kawhi and PG are beasts, and – they had some solid complimentary pieces, but like I, when it comes to playoff basketball, you need ball movement. You need a true point guard. You need rim protection. Like I did, they, they had some holes and I, I think they did a better job of filling it that this year, um, especially keeping up with the Lakers and what they did. Um, sure. But yeah, I mean, they're losing before the finals. Uh, 
it's such a big storyline because it's L.A. Um, I mean, but if we're being honest, like Milwaukee not reaching the final should be bigger news, but it, because it's Milwaukee, it's not. Also, this is my list, so I'm not putting anything bad Bucks related on here. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I even feel like and most people doing a list like this would – I mean, the, the Bucks would be in the, the conversation, but I still think sure. the Clippers would be above them. Yeah, and I'd also wager that it wasn't as much of a surprise because – well, actually, you know what? We can cover that with number two. And the second moment, the, the top – wait, how do, I, how do I articulate this? The second best moment from 2020 in the NBA this year, the Miami Heat and the underdog story that they had. Um, and sure, I guess we can sort of talk about the Bucks here a little bit. It, it wasn't really a secret to anybody that, um, I guess, you know, really, really paid attention to the Bucks. Around like January, maybe February, people really started to talk about like, man, I Miami's a really bad matchup for this Bucks team because of the barrage of three pointers that they're just going to avalanche on them. Because at the time, if Milwaukee was losing, it was because their opponent had historically one of the best uh, three point performances in like franchise history for them for that team. Um, they just couldn't defend the three point line. Like it felt like they were even worse than Sacramento was, and Sacramento was really bad. Um, coincidentally, yeah. I pay attention to both teams, but that's just the truth. Um, yeah, you you torture yourself more than you have to. Well, just because I mean, I it, it all kind of pays off because of the Bucks. If I could be completely honest. Yeah, but like, I mean, you love you some Pistons and Kings, man. Like, yeah, yeah, like you gotta throw one more good team in there. Cause it's um, be- I I enjoy watching Dallas a lot, but I don't feel comfortable jumping on that train. Because then everybody, well, I don't know. Um, no, I, I, respect, I, I respect your your fandom. I, I'm joking, but like, <laughs> man, the Pistons and Kings right now, like, yeah, yeah it like sucks. Early 2000s is a different story, but it's, it's just it's, because it's I, I really like super niche guys, um, guys that are that you look at and you just go, yeah, they're okay, I guess. And Was like Harry Rashawn, Giles, it for you for you, the yeah, Kings? Like, Harry Giles, um, Rashawn Holmes. I wouldn't lump Buddy Heald in there. Maybe you throw in De'Aaron Fox. I don't know. But, like, Buddy Heald – or not Buddy Heald. Um, Harry Giles is probably my favorite player in the league. Um, he's amazing. Hold on. I swear to I, God. I, I knew you liked Harry, but, like – Okay, let me – let me. Why do you like let me, Harry? Let me walk you like that, see him in high school? No. Let me walk that back a little bit. When I say favorite player in the league, I mean, like, in terms of, like, kind of obscure players – you know okay. what I mean? Like, I don't mean like, like oh my Sean God, Livingston like, to me. Exactly. That is, a, that is the perfect analogy. That is exactly what I mean. Where it's like, no, like LeBron, Luca, you know, run down the list there. But if you want to talk about like some deep cuts, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. Yeah. Harry's up there. Um, Jeff Green's up there. It, despite what happened yesterday, I love Thomas Bryant. Um, you know, yeah. I could, I could really throw together a list like that. But back to Miami, um, that Buck series was incredible for them. You know, Tyler Hero really came into his own. Jay Crowder decided for the first three rounds of the playoffs, you know, although I've been pretty much like just a kind of decent three-point shooter my entire career, if that, um, I'm going to make all of them in the playoffs. That's just it. I'm going to make every single three until we get to the finals, and then I'm going to kind of go back to what I was before. He was really impressive. Bam was incredible. Um, And then it, you know, it it reaches this apex in the finals against the Lakers where Jimmy Butler – puts on one of the greatest individual finals performances I've personally ever seen in my life um, in game five. That's the one where he plays 47 and a half minutes yeah. and spoils the Lakers. Uh, they're, they're winning in five. LeBron couldn't do it. 
um, which we'll, we'll talk about the Lakers side of that here in just a second. Spoiler alert. But um, yeah, what Miami did, like it apparently turned Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson into untouchables. That just kind of goes to show how yeah. good their run was. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to uh, the conversation should start with them identifying Jimmy as a guy that would thrive in their culture. And while everybody else from the outside, despite what most teammates said, like they love Jimmy, the outsiders and those not inside basketball, like cast him as a misfit when in actuality, like the dude just busts his ass and expects everybody else to bust their ass. Sure. And they identified that they brought him in. They got, they drafted well, they, they brought in undrafted guys and, and developed them. Um, they, their best player is Bam Adebayo, who they drafted at what, 12, 13, 11, 14, 13, I think. Like, yeah. Yeah. Something like that and developed him into the modern day center. And like, I mean, it's been beaten like a dead horse, but like the Miami culture, the, the way that they develop talent, identify talent. Um, I, I mean, like in the playoffs, there was nothing to me that was like maybe outside of Jay Crowder, like shooting ridiculously, but like, that's a gamer. Like that's a guy you go get if you're a, a championship contending team, because he's a guy that's you would go to war with. Mm. Um, but like, even then, like, there was nothing out of the ordinary for how Miami played. Sure. Like there was, they, there was no crazy outlier that just appeared in the bubble. Like th- that made you think this was something that can't be sustained. Like I expect Miami again to be one of the top six teams to be competing. If they don't make the NBA finals, I expect them to be in the, the Eastern conference finals. Like they, they're here. And like this, that wasn't a fluke. That wasn't a, a bubble environment, uh, product like that's legit like they're good sure and like i think everybody there was something redeemable about everybody's performances at some point throughout that run like even kelly olenic who i hate because of what he did to kevin love i will always hate him for that um he was even really he was he was playing some really really significant minutes for them which was i guess cool to see but um number one i don't even need to say it the Lakers win the 2020 NBA Finals in the bubble. Now, I'm, I want to get this out of the way. You are more than welcome to talk about it. I do not want to talk about the Kobe and Gigi aspect of this. I'm still not ready to go there. That was super important, though. Um, made the whole thing kind of special. But the main thing here is, like, in the same way, like we mentioned before, that the Clippers took this huge gamble. And I don't want to call trading for Anthony Davis a huge gamble because it was going to work at some point, right? But like you said, with the Clippers, like, you know, you can accumulate these superstars if you want, but it might not go very well at first. Um, and that was not the case with the Lakers. It worked immediately and it paid off year one. They win a championship. Um, the height that they had around the rim was insane. Uh, LeBron year 17, you wouldn't know it by looking at him and watching him play. Um, Anthony Davis, who was kind of in and out the whole series because either he was playing and he was really good or he was in foul trouble and he had to sit. And that was kind of always it, right? Um, That same game five that we were just talking about in the finals, that's the game where it almost felt like an all-star game where, um, you know, four guys on each side of the floor just kind of moved to the side. And there's just like a one-on-one happening for a few possessions between LeBron and Jimmy. That's the the game where LeBron goes for what, 40, 13 and seven on, I think 75% shooting. Yeah, it was insane. I mean, mean, year 17, he's he's just different. And the fact that the Lakers were able to pull it off um, in the bubble, you know, in what was otherwise, like we mentioned, 
a pretty chaotic few months of basketball, given the circumstances, ultimately it ended pretty much the way that everybody thought that it would. Yeah. I mean, to go back to the Clippers, Lakers and star comparison, like LeBron's going to smooth that out at this point in his career. And AD is just a guy that's not, he's just a ball player. Like Anthony Davis, anybody that watched him or questioned his career prior to arriving in LA, like it was foolishness. Like he's one of the best three players in the NBA to me. Um, And like offensively, he's a top 10 player defensively. He's a top five player. Like the guy is just different. Um, He's insane. And it was a perfect mesh. It's, it's the Lakers. You expected them to get there. You expected them to win it. Um, for them to do it and to do it in the fashion that they did. Like, they didn't have a series go more than five, right? Uh, well, the finals went six, but before that, six, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, before yeah, that, before you're right. Before the finals, right. Yes. Um, like, they just handled business. And, like, I was lucky enough to, to see that team before the shutdown in L.A. And it's, like, we, like, it's legit. Like, seeing that size up close and personal, that sure. length, like – defensively that team was as good as I've seen in some time. Yeah. Um, and they got better after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they did what they were supposed to do. You couple in the, the Kobe and Gigi aspect of it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great story, all things considered. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, there's no reason that they – I mean, they've done nothing but suggest that they're the favorites to go win it again this year. For sure. Um, and we'll wrap up here in a minute. I just also want to add, like, that's the – like, they lose game one to Portland, like we mentioned, right? Then they win the next four. Then they yeah. lose game one to Houston, and then they win the next four. And then I think they were up 2-0 against Denver. Then they finally lost, and people were like, oh, my God, like, the Lakers are going to go up 3-1? Like, it's going to happen again? No. Nope. No. And as awkward as the Jokic AD matchup was, like neither player, they were so different that neither player knew how to guard each other. It was just so funny. But um, so what did I leave off? I I remembered one of the things that I put outside of the top 10 that I wanted to mention. Is there anything that comes to mind that you would have added? Admittedly, most of this was in the bubble because, because like we only had like two months of actual basketball before in, in 2020, before the shutdown so yeah i mean i just off the top of my head like i mean the brooklyn thing's insane um, uh well technically that was that was 2019 i mean like literally the, the oh, calendar yeah. year 2020 that's right. that's right um you're right Kyrie has played there for a season yes. sorry um hmm well, here, let me, maybe this will maybe this will make you think of something for some reason. One of the other things that I wanted to throw in there so badly was um, another parentheses thing. But the first point is Zion makes his debut, scores 17 consecutive points, hits five threes, trying to orchestrate this comeback against the Spurs. Um, in parentheses, also, a whole bunch of other guys showed us that they're really good this year. Jason Tatum's beard connects in mid-January. <laughs> he starts playing really well. Um, averages 30 a game for the Celtics in February and was only like the fifth player in Boston history to ever do that. You know, Trey Young comes into his own. John Morant becomes this guy that is like, oh my God, he's going to be Memphis's point guard forever. And they all just kind of put the league in such good hands. Like moving forward, you're like, God, like this is going to be a good league for a long time. I thought yeah. that was that was definitely a, a, a good little bullet point to add. 
No, that's yeah. I mean, it's Zion. So if you did a top twenty storyline, it's definitely in there. Sure. Um, man, like I don't think uh, a good, a fun one. Markel Fultz is good again. That's cute. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, Lonzo's no, shot is different. Yep, that's a good one. Um, not yeah, not not necessarily noteworthy. Exactly right. I'm just yeah, throwing but, stuff yeah. out there. I'm trying to think. The Raptors won in 2019. These years are jumbling together. Um, when did um, – crap, I just had one, and I can't think of one. Oh, I'm sure James Dolan, did he do something stupid this year? Um, yeah. Was the Charles Oakley thing in 2019? James, I think that was like 2018. Oh, my gosh. I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I swear to God, I think that was like two years ago. Yeah, you're probably right. I just I know like it's still <laughs> going on and like yeah, I'm out of it. Um, hold Vladi, on, it has to be. I don't know. Vladi Defot got fired, but like that's not. Yeah, know, that's, that's just that's, your that's, king's that's, fandom. That's nothing, right? Even then, I'm like, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, man. Like I think you covered, you covered the good stuff. I would I would rearrange some things a little sure, bit. Sure, you could debate um, the I, order, but I think for the most part, that's probably what you're going to come away with for the most part. Yeah, like you covered, you covered the good stuff. Um, I do feel like there's one thing that I'm that that we may be missing. Uh, Rudy Gobert got coronavirus, and everybody hated him for a while. Oh yeah, that's got to be in there. That's a. I don't know if that's top ten. That's a funny one though. It shut the league down. Did I ever tell you that I may have had a hand in that? Yeah, like I. I mean, I questioned for. I questioned myself for a couple months if I had a hand in that because I had a one-on-one interview with Christian Wood after the Utah game. So let me run you through this. I know you got to get going here in a minute. I'll wrap up with this. Um, It's February, and my girlfriend, my Christmas present was she got me tickets. Well, she got us tickets to go see the Pistons play the Bucks at LCA in February, right? Yep. I remember I I talked to you there, I think. You did not, and there's a reason that you did not. Oh, I'm just a liar. (laughs) The reason that you did not was because uh, we get to Motor City Casino because obviously we had to drive in from Chicago. Um, I wake up that day. I've never felt like that in my life. I have never been that sick in my life. Um, I can't really describe it other than what we learned a few months later um, was every single conceivable symptom for coronavirus. Yeah. Um, And obviously we knew nothing about it at the time. So I go to the game. I'm miserable. I look great. I got my suit on, but I'm miserable. You go to the um, Milwaukee game or the Utah game? This was the this was the Bucks versus Pistons game at LCA okay. in February. Okay. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like, dude, I can't. I'm like, I've never been that sick in my life. Um, and then we leave. Obviously, game's over. We go home. Like a month later, the league gets shut down. Christian Wood has it. And I'm like, obviously, then we learn what all the symptoms and stuff are for COVID. And I'm like, oh, my God, I think I definitely had it. So I think I may have single-handedly shut the NBA down because I went to a Pistons game with what I thought was food poisoning, but I think may have been COVID-19. So I may have accidentally inadvertently shut the league down. I mean, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm glad you're healthy. First of all, I did not know that. Yeah. Before I, before I get some jokes off, like, <laughs> like I'm glad you're happy or healthy, <laughs> but like, yeah. Like if you want to take credit for, for that, fucking go for it, dude. Like that's that in a sick way. That would be kind of kind of hilarious. You could say yeah, it. it's, like it's, it's not a cool, it's not a cool like if, thing to have 
on your imaginary belt, but like it's definitely we'll laugh about it in like ten years. Yeah, like everybody's seems to be fine in terms of the NBA. Hopefully, nobody close to you got it and they're like no, no longer with us and we just no. have no idea like i hope that didn't happen but um it is a it was wild yeah like i like i i don't like think i ever had it but i could have i mean i was as close to the uh one of the it, sources as you could get right um, and just for full transparency, James and I do not think coronavirus is funny. Everything that's happening oh, no, sucks. Yeah. But I hope people understand in principle what we find hilarious about this. Um, I just want to I just want to clear that up. So, James, yeah. were you able to were you able to think of the final thing or do you want me to wrap this thing up? I could not think of it. Um, OK. Yeah, I feel like there's something that I'm missing, but I think you got it all covered. I think you're you're um, your 3 a.m. Uh, thinking session there you go uh, thank you for, did well. for wording that delicately um yes, of course. <laughs> don't out of me course. on the podcast man um <laughs> all righty james well thank you very very much for hopping on um obviously i said this before that you're going to be on again pretty soon but also you're actually busy now you actually have things going on so i hope it was also refreshing to not be asked a million questions about the pistons to talk about a little, little bit about if other things one more person is in my mentions asking me why Svi only played eight minutes. I'm gonna uh, uh, I think he should be in the second unit the way that Luke was last year. I, that's my only thing I'm going to say on that. Well, um, go no, ahead. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm again. Yeah, I actually I do have to go, so I'm not going to go on a tangent that goes sure. another twenty minutes. But I, people's obsession with preseason minutes drives me insane. It's pretty gross. Like, maybe Casey just knows what he has in Svi. And he would rather get the older guys who need to get in shape a little bit quicker than the 23 year old some run. Like yeah. he, like I just, people put too much stock in the, like, why did Seiko only play 28 minutes? Should have played, should have played 51. Yeah. Like, like dude, like, I stop. And I almost, I, I mean, I don't I almost, have the answer. I almost texted you the other night. I was like, hey, we played, Dwayne went 15 deep and Wayne Ellington didn't play. And I was going to be like, do you know why? And then I was like, I don't even care. I don't care what the <laughs> answer is. It's the preseason. Who cares? Um, yeah. So you're welcome for sparing you there. Already, James, thank, thank you, you very, very much for joining, man. Um, if you guys are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars and subscribe. James, thank you once again. Uh, I will catch you guys in the next one. Mm-hmm.